The selection of St. Matthew's Gospel that we heard from today comes from the section offering parables about watchfulness and preparedness for the coming judgment. In the parable we heard today, Christ is the bridegroom. The virgins are an image for the community of believers, disciples, and the oil for the lamps can be said to be an image of goodness or the performance of good works that should mark the disciples' life. After all, elsewhere in St. Matthew, we hear that good deeds are like the light of a lamp that must shine before others, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. By showcasing in today's gospel passage the foolishness of going out to meet the bridegroom without preparing, the gospel calls us to be prepared and to consider whether our actions as disciples match up with our stated intentions, that we follow the Lord and seek to have life with him in heaven. Are we ready to meet Christ the bridegroom and to enter heaven, which is imaged here as in so many places as a wedding feast? Only those who are ready will enter. As the gospel describes, those who were ready went into the wedding feast. Then the door was locked. Are we foolish and unprepared? Are we carrying enough oil? Our Catholic faith teaches us about the origin and the meaning of things in our world and how to live well in this world. Our faith also tells us about our end in this world and our destination beyond this life. And thus, our Catholic faith highlights what are commonly called and referred to as the four last things. These four, <clears throat> these four last things are death, judgment, heaven, and hell. I think we should take just a few moments to consider those. Having an awareness of our ultimate destiny is important because then it can give us drive to focus on whether we are taking the steps to arrive at our destination or not. The first of the four last things, death. In our faith teaching, death is a consequence of original sin. Death is that event whereby the soul separates from the body. The soul lives on because it is immortal while the body decomposes. The soul, we believe, is immediately judged and is rewarded with heaven, punished with hell, or sent for a time of cleansing to purgatory prior to final arrival in heaven. We should always live as ready for death since, for the most part, none of us knows when, where, or how we will die. Being aware of death and reflecting frequently upon it can give us impulse to avoid sin. How foolish, in other words, we would be if we prepare our temporal worldly affairs by means of things like a last will and testament, but we leave our soul unprepared and open to being picked over and looted by agents of the kingdom of darkness and eternal death. This teaching of death is one of the four last things is a reminder to us that for people of Christian faith, bodily death is not the end. And bodily death is not the greatest enemy. Let me say that again. 
for people of Christian faith, bodily death is not the greatest enemy. Rather, the greatest enemy is a death for which we are unprepared, since it may carry the consequence of an eternal death of the soul. And for this reason, a wise devotion in our Catholic practice encourages us to prepare and to pray that the Lord may spare us from what is called an unprovided death. That term, an unprovided death, means a death that comes upon us suddenly and for which we are unprepared and found lacking because we have neglected our soul. Uh, We are not in the state of grace due to not having confessed our sins. And we have no recourse to the sacraments at the time our end comes. We pray with a holy and healthy awareness of our mortality, that we might live always in a a way that has us prepared to meet the Lord. The second of the four last things, judgment. Immediately after our death, we believe we experience a judgment before Christ that is called the particular judgment. It's called particular because it is individual and comes to each of us at the particular moment when our death arrives. The soul's eternal destiny is decided and established at the particular judgment. The soul that dies in baptismal innocence, that is, in a perfect state of grace, as it is called, and having satisfied and repaired for the sins he has committed, experiences the eternity of heaven directly. Conversely, the soul that dies in mortal sin experiences the eternity of hell directly. And the soul that dies in what we might call the general state of grace, but imperfectly so, that is, being guilty only of perhaps lesser sins or needing to atone for the temporal punishment due to sins already confessed and forgiven, such a soul experiences the final purification of mercy in the temporary place we call purgatory. We should recall and remind ourselves that purgatory is a temporary status, a temporary place of final purification before entering into heaven. Wisdom calls us to live each day in preparation for the judgment that will come after death. Our prayer life, our service to others, those good deeds, lights that should illuminate our life, our voluntary penances taken up throughout life, our frequent confessions and worthy Holy Communions, these are all ways we seek to have enough oil for our lamps as we go to meet the Lord. Likewise, focusing on this second of the four last things, judgment, we believe and express faith in a judgment that is called the general or the universal judgment. Unlike the particular judgment that comes to each soul individually, the general judgment will be that day when the Lord returns at the end of the world. At that time, he will call all the dead to rise, bringing new life to our separated bodies. At the general judgment, we will experience the judgment we received at our death only at that time as souls united once again to a resurrected body and thus experiencing bodily the glory and joys of heaven or experiencing bodily the pains of hell. The third of the four last things, hell. 
The book of Revelation teaches us that nothing unclean, nothing without, nothing with the stain of sin, and no one who practices abomination and falsehood can enter God's presence. In other words, sin and God cannot coexist. And for this reason, our faith teaches us that the serious sin we call mortal separates us from God. And if we die with unrepented mortal sin, even just one, we are destined for hell. Hell is an eternal existence of separation from God. It's awareness of our foolishness in squandering God's blessings, and it's an existence of torment and punishment. The words of Scripture and of Christ himself describe this for us. They describe hell as a place of unquenchable and everlasting fire, a bottomless pit, everlasting punishment, a lake of fire in the outer darkness. This truth of faith that sin offends God and deserves punishment, we should note, is not unfair. Rather, it is an expression of truth and justice. There is no real justice if wrongdoing isn't punished. Likewise, there is no real justice if good doing isn't rewarded. Both must be there if justice is in play and, in fact, accurate and true. We should remind ourselves, after all, of God's goodness. And his goodness means we are not required to remain in sin. He has died to save us. And he gives us every good thing so that we can be fully alive in him. That's the good news. God does not desire to send us to hell. And that should give us confidence and hope, direction and focus to drive ourselves to seek with awareness of our ultimate destiny and to live the life of grace so as to be ready to meet the Lord. Going to hell would be our fault, not God's. And the final of the four last things, at least in the way I'm ordering it so that we end on a hopeful note by treating heaven last. <laughs> heaven, the eternal life of blessing and communion with God, which is described so often in the scriptures as it was in today's passage as a great wedding feast. Heaven is God's full desire for us, and it is the fulfillment of our desire too, because we have been made for God. Those who die in the perfect state of grace, or who, being in an imperfect state of grace, have been purified in purgatory, will enjoy, we express in faith, perfect and everlasting happiness with God and all the angels and saints who worship around him. In heaven, the blessed enjoy the greatest gift and fulfillment of seeing God as he is. This beatific vision of God, as it is called, refers to an active knowing and loving of God to our fullest capacity. And it refers to being known and loved by God in return. This is the destiny God desires for us, and he has left nothing undone to provide for this for those who are wise in being prepared. The collect, which is the first prayer of this Holy Mass, prayed, stated, and asked that we may be unhindered to pursue the things of God. And so with this collect in mind and with the gospel lesson in mind, we might ask ourselves, are we truly unhindered if we aren't prepared? If our souls aren't ready to have the obstacle of sin removed from us?
In the psalm we prayed, My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. We might ask ourselves, does our preparedness reveal a real thirst for God, a real longing? We are called to be prepared as people who have hope. And to be clear, we are not called to an anxiety-filled preparation. We remember God's goodness always. We have hope because of the Lord's goodness and generous love. He has told us in advance to stay awake and to prepare. He has given us time to do so. And furthermore, by his passion and resurrection and the outpouring of his grace that comes to us in prayer and the sacraments, he has given us all the gifts and tools necessary to be prepared. If we say we are going to heaven, that that is our destiny, our desire, our longing, our goal, if we say we desire Jesus, then let's be wise about it before the door is locked. That's the message of the gospel. For at a day and an hour we cannot know, the cry will go out, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him.